Welcome back. Thanks again for tuning in to another segment of Changing Times, Healthy Mind, Healthy Life series, managing your thoughts from a biblical perspective. Today's topic is Thoughts Matter, Words Matter, Part 2, with your host, Miss Jay, and co-host... Miss Shay. Hey, Miss Shay. You know, we are back on track, folks, continuing our discussion on the concept of Thoughts Matter, Words Matter, which is taking us on an amazing journey of learning the fundamental principles of the impact thoughts and words have in our daily life. Words we choose convey our thoughts and feelings. Aside from nonverbal communication, words are the heartbeat of our relationships. When we misuse our words or truncate our sentences to save time, we dishonor ourselves and our relationships. Although we have known it intuitively, as science has confirmed, the tremendous power our words have on ourselves, our communities, and the world. Words can shape the material world. The words we speak not only reflect, but shape our thoughts, and our thoughts shape the physical structure of our brains. Although the Bible and science belong to separate domains of reality, the Bible pertains to the sphere of morality and spirituality. Uh, science, by contrast, has dominion in the realm of physical things. Nonetheless, we can ascertain that the scientific perspective on this issue is right on. But what is even more true is the word of God has much to say about the impact thoughts and words have on our life. In Proverbs 23, verse 7 in the Derby translation, it says, For as he thinketh in his soul, we learn earlier that the soul is the mind slash intellect, will, and emotions. He says, so as he thinketh in his soul, so is he. Words and thoughts reveal your true character. We see with our eyes, we think with our ears, and we talk with our mouths. Thoughts and words work in concert together, and they frame our world. You are where you are because of a self-fulfilled prophecy spoken over time. Self-imposed prophecies occur when your expectations influence your actions. Other imposed prophecies occur when others' expectations influence your behavior. And then your behavior determines the outcome of these expectations. That is so true, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I yes, mean, it's it really is. true. Expectations uh, on the other hand, serve as inroads as to what is to come. Sometimes we are in a pickle or we find ourselves in a pickle, in stuck mode, I call it, blaming ourselves or even other people for where we are today. But there's no need to be alarmed. These experiences are all part of the human process that we need to overcome. For example, you may have gone through challenging times, but the lessons you learn may help to jumpstart a new beginning. Your past is your past. Your present is where you are now, and your future is ahead. Sometimes we are harder on ourselves than we should be. There is life at the end of our pain, and it's time to move on. It's time to move forward. The devil has no authority to put the brakes on what God has for you. So stop looking in the rearview mirror of your past or from your past and get back on track and start living again. Each day brings with it new meanings and new beginnings. So as you travel this journey with us, hopefully you will learn how to effectively manage your thoughts and words based on truth. Truth is what? The word of God. Exactly. So that you would avoid the pitfalls of thoughts and words that work against you. 
Uh, now, even psychologists link negative thinking to depression, anxiety, chronic worry, and obsessive compulsive disorder, which is OCD. Negative thinking causes emotional upsets and makes you feel blues, feeling down about the world, yourself, about the future. It contributes to low self-esteem. It makes you feel you're not effective in the world. But what is even more troubling is that words can affect your brain functions. A single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. There's a really neat book on the market entitled Words Can Change Your Brain, which explains how a single word can affect your brain. Positive words encourage cognitive brain function, while negative words activate our fight or flight response, which shows cognitive function. Negative words can easily heighten people's uncertainty and stress around the future. Science shows us that catastrophizing language, mess, forgive me if I messed that up, <laughs> we will never recover from this. We will never recover. You ever heard that said? Or this is a complete disaster can negatively affect our mental and emotional health while positive words can have positive benefits. So Ms. Shea, could this be the reason we struggle in the area of our thoughts and words? Could it be? Um, one of the things I, I think about when I think about my words is um, I want to, I want to give you an example. Uh, it basically comes down to what we believe about ourselves. And we use what we believe about ourselves to um, speak words of negativity over us and our situation. For instance, uh, let's say your boyfriend, your boyfriend cheated. And so, <laughs> so you're angry, you're upset, you're hurt, you're frustrated. Yeah. And again, this is his behavior, not yours, but it affects you in a, some kind of way. And so the consequences of that, now you believe you are worthless. Mm -hmm. You believe you are not enough. Hello. You believe there's something about you that caused him to cheat Hello. and to dishonor the relationship. So that stems to your belief system. And That's now right. you believe there's something wrong with you because if there was something right with you, he would not have acted in such manner. Exactly. So over time, our mind, it, it, it believes what we're saying to ourselves, right? In Absolutely. fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse number 23, you can have what you say. You know, there's, there's creative powers that are in our words, folks, you know, and so whether your particular mountain may be sickness, unsaved loved ones, financial difficulties, or family problems, you can find a solution in this verse of scripture and optimistic words. They do prime us to see a brighter future and negative ones stagnate our growth. So as I continued my research, I became even more concerned about what I discovered on healthline.com, where it says researchers say re repetitive negative thinking can increase your risk of developing dementia. What? I was like, are you serious? Really? Yes. They noted that in a recent study, thinking had a more cognitive decline and problems of memory. This is not only a disturbing statistic, but it is something we need to take note of. So although dementia is more common in people over the age of 65, in some cases, it can also affect people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or even 50s. The Bible also tells us that there is a direct correlation between your thoughts and your health. Thoughts and emotions and words play a vital role in your mental and physical health, which should be cause of a concern. 
But thank God, the word of God not only addresses these human problems, but the word also has an answer for them. In 3 John 1 and 2, in the New King James Version, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and in health, just as your soul prospers. So see, it is clear that the soul remembers the mind, the intellect, the will, and the emotions in comparison to the spirit and the body is the weakest of the three. And that's what take uh, the, uh, Satan's targets the most. The soul is the essence of who we are. The spirit is the immaterial part of that connects with God, the part of us that connects with God. So since your soul and body has different function in the sense that they control your thinking, emotions, and feelings, you must fight to keep those areas under subjection to the spirit of God, which is a safe place. Then those problem areas will be easier to manage when you allow God to rectify those struggles in your life. Remember to rectify those struggles instead of allowing your flesh to dominate your life. So can you imagine taking control of a steering wheel when you're in the passenger seat? You'd probably crash. You must learn to trust God enough to resolve every problem in your life. In Proverbs chapter three, verse number five through six in the NIV translation, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path. So if God is in the driver's seat, I'm not touching the steering wheel. And I don't think you should either. In fact, in Matthew 26, 41, in the Amplified, it said, keep actively watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. So here Jesus illustrates the need to pray when we're tempted to sin because prayer gives you power over your sinful nature. But it also gives the Holy Spirit permission to have full control of your life. So when the Holy Spirit is in charge, you have greater control over your thoughts and words, and perhaps you're less inclined to sin with your mouth. And that's where the problem is, Jay, it seems to be. It's in our words. And so there's so many amazing stories in the Bible that address the impact thoughts and words have on us. And when used in the wrong way, can actually work against us. In the account of Zacharias, the high priest in Luke chapter one, details how an angel took his speech away because he sowed word seeds of doubt against the promises of God. For example, we should learn from Zacharias' story by never compromising our faith by speaking against the promises of God as it relates to our own life by giving in to something we do not believe in, which is a great illustration of when to speak and what not to speak. And we will see this played out in Luke chapter one. Why don't you take that uh, and share that with the people? So in this scripture, um, I'm going to read the amplified version. Um, Zechariah is, is now, I'm just going to read it. Now it happened while Zacharias was serving as priest before God in an appointed order of his priestly division. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was troubled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, because your petition in prayer was heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you will name him John. And Zechariah said to the angel, how will I be certain of this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in age. The angel replied and said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand and minister 
in the very presence of God. And I have been sent by him to speak to you and to bring the good news. Exactly. So listen carefully. It says you will be continually silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe what I told you, but my words will be fulfilled at their proper time. So how many of you can relate to Zachariah's story? And what have you learned from that experience? Sometimes we just need to keep our mouths shut. You see, can you think of a time God responded to your prayer request that seemed to be utterly impossible, that was far reaching, that you could not envision coming to pass? So what do you start doing? Questioning God maybe? and how he was going to do it, which is not our business, right? Because in your mind, it seemed impossible. Wouldn't it be best to just plain keep your mouth, Ziploc bag shut <laughs> and let God do his thing to bring to pass what God has promised you were the impossibilities of life. Don't take this personally, but let's face it. Sometimes we say and do dumb things out of ignorance and unbelief. When you get out of faith and into doubt and disbelief, you nullify a possible victory. However, redemption is still possible. Zacharias eventually experienced what God promised, but God had to shut his mouth for a season so that he would not continue to speak against the blessings God had in store for him. Zachariah's speech was not restored until the birth of his son, John. What an incredible ending for someone who struggled with faith. It gives us hope knowing that all we need to do is put our faith into action by simply trusting God to bring to pass everything he has promised so that we can learn how to rest in him. But there's more, Miss J. Really? Um, the Bible <laughs> the Bible is right on by its incredible example of stories that speak to how we should live. Thoughts and words used precariously have dire consequences. Yes, <laughs> they do. Based on what? Well, they're based on devastating accounts of the demise of Ananias and Sapphira, for instance, who died prematurely after selling a field and lying about wow. it. Wow. Part of the profit from their sale was kept back by the couple. And only Ananias only laid a part of the money at the apostles' feet. Do you remember that story? I do. Okay. However, Ananias made the pretense of having given all the proceeds. As a result of their dishonesty, it cost them their life. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 5, verse number 1 through 5, the Amplified. It says, now a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge and complicity, he kept back some of the proceeds, bringing only a portion of it and set it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back for yourself some of the proceeds from the sale of the land? As long as it remained unsold and did not, did it not remain your one, your own to do with as you pleased? And after it was sold, was the money not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this act of hypocrisy and deceit in your heart? You have not simply lied to people, but to God. And hearing these words, Ananias fell dead. Actually, he died suddenly and great fear and awe gripped those who heard of it. Proverbs 18, 21, the message Bible says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, those who love to talk 
will suffer consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. I mean, Miss Shay, I, I mean, I just can't wrap my brains around that type of severe punishment. Why do you think God took that, those words so personally that it ended up in death for, for, that, for that couple? I believe it starts in your heart. There you because go. a lot of times we start telling ourselves uh, what we're going to do. See, the apostles never told Ananias to sell his property and bring the proceeds to him. He decided on that. Is, isn't that something? So he chose within his heart, he decided beforehand that, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to give the proceeds to the Lord. But then him and his wife decided, well, we're just going to keep a little song song for ourselves. And lie about it. Yes, ma'am. That is so scary. You see, words indeed have legs. And when you're not careful, negative words come out of your mouth uh, that are actually unintended. You're, you're not intending to say it. It just comes out. And Ananias and Sapphira knew ahead of time what they planned to say when asked about the proceeds. Their careless words resulted in death. Now, this may not be your typical punishment in the 21st century for a crime such as this, but it is a wake-up call not to take God for granted when you violate his covenant to satisfy your fleshly desires and your selfishness. Isn't that something mm -hmm. plain selfish? When you are immune to sin, when you ignore the leading of the spirit, there's severe consequence. And it does not take a rocket science to show that the propensity to sin is innate in our fallen nature and that no one is exempt from temptation. God does not give us a free pass to do whatever we want and whenever we want to do things opposed to his word, especially when there is a judgment attached to it. The immediate judgment Ananias and Sapphira face for their sin is atypical, is atypical in our day. But I can assure you that absolutely no one will escape punishment in some form for their doings, even if the judgment is delayed. In Ecclesiastes 8.11, and the Living Bible Translation, it says, because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. That is an eye-opener. We reap the consequences of sins. We committed long ago, thinking when we fail to repent of them, God's promise is always to wipe them away. When we repent, when we ask God's forgiveness, when we take responsibility, when we are accountable for the things that we have done, you know, instead of sweeping things under the carpet and not realizing that one day the devil's going to show up at your door and says, you owe me. All right. And Numbers 32, 23 in the living Bible says, but if you don't do as you have said, then you will have sinned against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will catch up with you. And that is a fact. This is a sobering reality. We're all prone to try to hide sin, to try to cover sin as soon as we sin is not the thing we need to do, particularly in a way that we're instantly ashamed of, which we should be for all sin. But we think this, oh, if others knew this, what would they think? And so we just try to cover it. We try to hide it, even to our closest brothers and sisters in Christ, because we just don't want anybody to know it. And oftentimes that hidden sin can just grow and grow and grow and it becomes a tree. And before long, we're living this hidden life of disobedience. And God is saying in his word, be sure of this, your sin will find you out. Jesus said in Luke chapter eight, verse number 17 in the NIV translation, but there is nothing hidden that would not be disclosed and nothing concealed that would not be known or brought into the open. 
In Isaiah 38, 17, in the NIV, it says, Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. What a mighty God we serve. Listeners, we never intend to condemn anyone in any way. God desires to see you flourish and grow in the Lord, no matter who you are, where you come from, and what you've done. Redemption is available to all who ask. Our part in this is to provide you with a word compass of blessings that will navigate you through a life filled with peace, love, solidarity, and health, along with an overflow of blessings and abundance. God is asking us to make the, him the number one priority by a simple act of, of obedience. So when we live a life of obedience to God, we move into the category of a fruitful tree that bears fruit rather than a fruitless tree. So what's the good news, sis? The good news comes in from Matthew 12, uh, verse 33 through 35 in the CEV translation. It says, good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Hmm. You can tell what a tree is like by the fruit it produces. You are a bunch of evil snakes. So how can you say anything good? Your words show what is in your heart. Good people bring good things out of their hearts, but evil people bring evil things out of their hearts. And you know what? In this context, with the Lord was Jesus was actually addressing the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They were very good at telling people what to do. They were telling people things to do and with, with them. Exact, they excluded themselves, though. But they would tell other people how they should live, but they weren't willing to do it themselves. Well, so what's the bad news? Well, the bad news comes from Matthew 7, verse 22 to 23. It says, at the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and used your name and cast out demons and to do many other great miracles. But I will reply, this is Jesus saying, but I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away for your deeds are evil. So you see, folks, you get to choose your destiny by the way you live your life. God sets before you only two options, life or death. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 through 20, in the Living Bible, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that today I have set before you life or death, blessing or cursing, all that you would choose life that you and your children might live. Choose to love the Lord your God and to obey him and to cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. You will then be able to live safely in the land the Lord promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Since why do you think that's so important? Why do you think that promise means so much, especially in our day when so many of us are really going through trying times? We're just frustrated. Some of us have given up. I mean, how does this apply how can we apply this promise to our lives it's like you alluded to earlier miss j um when you talked about uh believing god's promises so when the bible talks about everything that he promised abraham isaac and jacob the ancestors we see everything that he spoke coming to pass in our days it's been two thousand years since jesus and even before jesus came along they have been waiting for the messiah they've been waiting for that promise yes when we speak life over our lives our situation and our children we are speaking god's promises over them and their kids and their kids kids and their kids kids even if we're not going to be around to see the manifestation of those words we know that god promised something amazing for their lives and so we know it's going to come to pass. And that gives us hope. 
Oh, wow. What, what, how is that's beautifully stated? I mean, you know, I was thinking about, uh, you know, Joshua and Caleb, remember they went over there, it was the spies that went over and only two, there was 12 spies actually that went over and to possess the land. And Joshua and Caleb came back with this amazing report. I mean, they, all 12 of them saw the same thing, mm -hmm. but Joshua and Caleb, because of the men of God, they saw something totally different. The devil always wants you to see the impossible. Yes. But these two guys, they saw the impossible. See, so God rewards those with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb, who believed that the power of their thoughts and word coupled with faith would empower them to overtake a land filled with giants when the others were thinking, I don't think we can do it. They all saw the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb had the spirit of Christ. They look beyond the gate. They look beyond what they can see in the natural realm into the spiritual realm. And they came out with, you know what? We can do this. No more being intimidated of what God can do. No more conversations that tear down instead of building up, folks. You have everything you need to ward off any unwelcome thoughts and words that cripples you from living life to the fullest. We believe in standing with the listeners. We believe that the word of God is true and is sure. We believe that everything that pertains to life and godliness belongs to you. And we never, ever want to mislead you into thinking that the God that we serve isn't a real God because he is a real God. He is real. What do you say, sis? He's real. He's real. What, what, I mean, think about the things he's done for you and the thing that he's continuing to do for us and how we get to share his love, share his works share his grace, share his mercy with the dying world to bring hope, solidarity, and peace in areas where you're struggling during the storms of life. We need a word. We need a rhema word from the word. What do you say to that, sis? We just, I mean, God is, 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 is awesome. The things that he does, even during the worst of times, even the best of times, that he's never said he would ever leave us nor forsake us. Even when I don't understand earlier, you talked about Proverbs three, five, and six. That is my life scripture. Because one of the things that I always do, I try to lean on my own understanding. I always try to say, well, Lord, I don't understand. And he says, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean. Trust in me. Amen. That's what we're doing. So we are so happy. We, we pray that you've been inspired and encouraged to move forward in your life. God has great things planned for you. And we appreciate your tuning in again. But before you leave, we never want to assume that everyone has received the gift of salvation. A simple confession of faith is all that is needed by repeating these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sins and ask your forgiveness. I receive you now into my life as my personal Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. If you confess these lofty words of new beginnings, welcome to the family of God. All the heavenly hosts in heaven rejoice when one soul enters the kingdom. And until next time, be safe. Know that Jesus loves you. And we do too. See you next time. Goodbye.
sister, my brother. 